Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Right, so building off of that description, um, we're going to look at categorization first. So categorization, the general definition, classifying things according to what they are similar to. Uh, and this is, of course, a very broad definition. Um, it can be understood in the simplest form. Um, you know, when you, when, uh, when you categorize animals, say, in the animal kingdom, you know, you look at broad kingdoms, kingdom, phylum, class, order, genus, species, right? You get from the very broad kingdoms like the animal kingdom or the plant kingdom to very narrow kingdoms like um, like the feline, felinus domesticus, the domesticated cat. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but something more or less like that. And as you, as you get more specific, um, you group them, your groups get more and more similar. Um, so, you know, categorization in the broadest sense. So, this is an unavoidable tendency. There's no way to not categorize. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Actually, it's not, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a bad thing at all in general terms, but can be bad in specific terms. So, uh, this categorization helps us organize our complex social world. And we talked about this a little bit when we talked about uh, heuristics or mental shortcuts that we take. Uh, it would be very difficult to uh, to operate uh, in a day-to-day -day world without um, categorizing things, without putting things into categories, and then um, knowing what those things were immediately, or uh, you know, having mental shortcuts for categories. So, if you had to, if you were driving down the street and you had to, uh, in your head, um, look at everything you saw and decide whether it was a car a person, a bicycle, or a traffic cone, and you had to actually use mental resources to do it, uh, it would be impossible to drive. You couldn't, um, you couldn't function uh, quickly enough to be able to drive in any sort of a meaningful way. So instead of, because uh, if you can imagine you're sitting in your car and you have to look at an object and go, okay, this object has uh, count the number of wheels on this object. This one has four. Okay, it's got four. Uh, or, oh gosh, this is a big one. It has uh, 18. Whoa, 18 wheels. It would take you forever to count that. Um, and, oh, what is this? This object has two wheels. Uh, it has two wheels and a person with their legs moving up and down. Okay, it's a bicycle. So they're gonna, they're not gonna, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about them. They're gonna be driving on the right past me. Uh, while all of us on the left within the four-wheeled things are not moving. Point being, you understand that uh, this is it's unavoidable and it's in general a positive thing, this instant categorization thing that we use to survive. Now, um, this is another place where having a Christian understanding is a good thing to have. There, there can be things that are created good, and yet uh, there is a fall. Um, after creation, creation falls, and good things uh, can be uh, used for bad purposes or used in bad ways. Um, 
So you can think of this as prejudice and stereotype is categorization gone awry. I like that, kind of categorization gone bad. So this good and useful and positive thing created by God for us to make life possible um, has gone awry, has gone bad, has gone wonky, if you prefer. So, um, for example, or that is making negative, hostile judgment of those we perceive as belonging to the outgroup. So prejudice and stereotypes is this good thing categorization, but gone awry. So why study prejudice, stereotypes, and discrimination? Well, of course it's related to other aspects of social psychology, as we've already seen. Um, for example, social perception, but as we've talked about before, uh, if you want to understand aggression, if you want to understand um, attitudes, if you want to understand a lot of ways that groups are working together, you need to understand prejudice, stereotypes, and discrimination. And I think even more important, if you want to address the problems in America in a serious way, problems of uh, race and class and gender, etc., uh, well, we have to get to the bottom of prejudice, stereotypes, and discrimination. So another more positive spin would be looking at the unprecedented global interactions in business, travel, living, studying, etc. And uh, it's true that we are more internationally connected, interconnected than ever in human history, and we continue to move in that direction as a planet. And there's a changing ethnic makeup of the U.S. You're probably very familiar with this. Um, by 2050, less than 47% of people in America will be non-Hispanic white. Um, and this, uh, the group of non-Hispanic white, the, the percentage uh, has been going down steadily for, gosh, probably uh, 150 years at least. Uh, and there's this idea that uh, when it goes below 50% to 47%, there'll be some sort of, this will be a big fundamental change in the United States in the way it uh, is understood. I don't know if that's true or not. But it, it is certainly true that uh, the United States is becoming uh, more diverse and um, more diverse along a whole spectrum of um, different categorizations, not just racial categorizations, but across a whole uh, spectrum. And then uh, ultimately, and to me maybe most importantly, the potentially devastating results of prejudice. Um, so because the results of prejudice are so um, conceivably awful, genocide, war, um, slavery, etc. It's something that's worth studying because it's so negative. The outcomes are so bad that it's worth it to study and uh, understand it and see if you can then ultimately implement ways of making it uh, better or uh, keep keeping these negative things from occurring. So who are the usual targets of prejudice, stereotypes, and discrimination? Excuse me. So, uh, technically any group could be a target of prejudice, stereotype, and discrimination. If you wanted to find one example of anybody in any group being targeted and discriminated against, you almost certainly could find it just by the, the law of large numbers, the 350 million Americans. You could find an example of anybody being targeted. But, that being said, there are usual targets. There are uh, the more common targets. And this, uh, I'm not sure that this list is necessarily in any particular order, um, 
but we'll just go with it in the order that it's here. Uh, so the obese AFAs, those are anti-fat attitudes in quotes. Um, this is common and getting more common uh, as the obesity uh, epidemic in America rises, which is a big concern for you folks in public health. Uh, anti-fat attitudes are also rising. Uh, the elderly, ageism, this is generally thought. Um, ageism, of course, is a phrase that can be used in any direction. Uh, old to young, young to old, young to middle age, middle age to old, however you want to break it down. In general, we think about the elderly being um, the targets of these. The disabled are ill. Um, people in wheelchairs, uh, people with developmental disabilities, um, people with particular um, uh, diseases, uh, AIDS being an obvious one, HIV and AIDS, um, gender, uh, sexism of course can go in any direction, although uh, most often we think about it as sexism against uh, women, and the reason for that is that's the, the history of the United States is a history of sexism, um, and it's not that hard to, uh, to picture it, you know, how many women presidents have there been uh, at the time of this uh, lecture, there have been zero, uh, the women's the number of women in senators has always been you know lower than the number of women Congress people uh, governors so if you go every level of government every level of business CEOs etc um, not hard to see the general pattern I mean women didn't get the vote until 1920 uh, which as you may be aware is 150 years after the United States started so uh, the women have not had the vote in the United States for longer than they have had the vote by a considerable margin uh, homosexuals, um, uh, another uh, target of discrimination, prejudice, and stereotypes in the United States. Good one to pay attention for um, for Christians. Uh, a lot of Christians bring a lot of prejudices and stereotypes uh, to homosexuals, and uh, hopefully the the discrimination is uh, is not happening all the time, but the uh, Having someone who grew up in the church and has been around Christians for a long time, I can uh, tell you, um, Christians who would not think of their prejudices and stereotypes uh, would not have racial or gender or disability-related prejudices or stereotypes, uh, don't seem to uh, have the same ability to stop themselves from having prejudices and stereotypes against homosexuals. So as Christians, it's something good to be aware of. And finally, uh, racial and ethnic minorities, that's the focus of this chapter. That's maybe the most obvious um, uh, set of uh, prejudices, stereotypes, and discriminations, and of course the history, as, as you can do with women, the history of, um, of prejudice and discrimination in the United States is pretty obvious. Going back, you have Native Americans, you have African Americans, uh, Asian Americans, if you're on the West Coast, you'll, you might know the history of uh, discrimination against Chinese and Japanese uh, that occurred on the West Coast, uh, primarily the history of slavery, the history of um, uh, the Jim Crow laws, uh, particularly in the South. So there's a whole history and it's pretty well understood, so it's a, a good topic maybe uh, to to discuss because people are familiar with the history of it. and. Um, and we'll, we'll use it as, uh, as some examples going forward, although I'll try and use a variety of examples as well. And finally, we're looking at um, the victims of prejudice, stereotypes, and discrimination. How do they respond? Well, in a variety of ways. 
There are, of course, uh, negative effects. Um, lowered self-esteem, increased stress, increased um, psychological and or physical symptoms. We'll just look at the negatives uh, for, for the moment. Um, uh, so just being discriminated against by itself can cause lower self-esteem, increased stress, and psychological and physical symptoms. And this is a way that's very helpful in understanding um, uh, some of the lack of, uh, of opportunity or um, you can't give one person who's being discriminated against and a person who's not the same opportunity and expect to get the same outcome because you have all of these other discrimination causes all of these other negative effects the lowered self-esteem, the increased stress, the increased psychological or physical uh, disorders. So it's not actually, you can't just say, well, it's a, it's a fair race, uh, it's a fair uh, you know, running race, uh, you run against you, the person being discriminated and the person not, because the discrimination itself is intrinsically unfair. Uh, when we come back from this break, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at the possible positive effects.